Okay, Mario, you set up there. Yeah, I think I'm set up. I've got my mute off and my camera off. So yeah. your man should be here any second now. Is he going to come into the green room or something, is he? Yeah, I think we see him. We see him kind of kind of basically has to go through the, the stage where you kind of select the microphone he wants right. to use and all that kind of stuff. Will so I start doing, will I, when he comes in, will I start doing him? Um, yeah, I don't oh. know how he, like, is he into that or? Oh, I don't know. Like, he's just, the way he goes on. I'm England and I'm bedding down for the last two years and I'm drinking gin and tonics and I can't play golf and I'm going up to Super Value and I'm stuffing my face and then I'm going to go on about the bridge over the River Kwai and Alec Guinness and William Holden and blowing up the bridge and bore the arse off you like an old fart and then I'll start going on about Winston Churchill and I'll oh, 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 oh. Oh, hold on here. This is George here. Without a shadow of a doubt, that is the worst impression done of me ever. This thing about that, like I do sort of grimaces with my face and all that sort of stuff. I never do that. Like, I mean, I'm just sort of kind of, uh, I'm trying to think who I'm sort of more like. I'm more like a kind of a Paul Newman figure when I speak rather than the kind of George Hook figure that you make me out to be. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, George. I'll try and improve my impression. You know, you can't fire a cannon from a canoe, you know. I think George Hook is talking through his hole, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, I could tell you one thing. There is never a single dull moment when you're on a call with George Hook. The man is opinionated, emotional, vulnerable, and many other adjectives that make him fascinating company. But he also has had an incredibly eventful life with many crisis points, many hinge points. And one of the most recent being the loss of his new talk, News Talk primetime radio show. After he made comments about sexual assault and personal responsibility, you can find them easily online. And this event and many of the wider issues that surround it feature heavily in our chat, along with lots of other stuff. What I was really guilty of as a broadcaster, which actually is unforgivable, is the careless use of words. So I went to the lovely Ingrid and I said, listen, we're getting out of town for the weekend. And she said, I am not going to be driven out of my house by anybody let's go to super value and store up for the siege all right so we are now in the easily offended society i'm offended that he said that are you tough luck i am now surviving on 14 hours of netflix four gin and tonics and half a bottle of sauvignon blanc and my life as happy as a sandboy I said, Dad, I'm really sorry, but I don't agree with you. And he said, don't ever be afraid to hold an opinion. My conversation with George Hook is coming up very shortly. If you've been enjoying my previous chats with Ian Dempsey, Ronan O'Gara, Conor Moore, Joanna Reardon and Suzanne Kane, and also the brand new and exclusive comedy sketches, now is the time to hit that subscribe or follow button. It's all free. Just hit subscribe or follow. It'll do us a real favour. It really does help to get the show out there to more fans just like you. And speaking 
of exclusive comedy. It was an eventful week for vaccines in government. Here you go. Oh, okay, uh, lads, set it down. Yeah. 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 It's bad news. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Uh, they're pulling the AstraZeneca for the under-60s. Oh, what? Jesus. And uh, not only that. What? The Johnson & Johnson order is being cancelled. Oh, oh, no. God's sake. Oh, bollocks. Oh. Pascal, relax, will you? It's like that movie Downfall all over again. It's only a matter of time before they stick Michal Martin in as Hitler in the bunker. As Minister for Health, would Stephen Donnelly not be Hitler in this particular Sorry, movie? Sorry, why would I be Adolf Hitler in a story about the vaccine? In okay, it? forget it. We need to tell the public. It's uh, okay, so Michal. I've, I've already tweeted out the bad news. Leo, what the hell are you doing? I told Sorry, you Leo, before. Am I tagged in those tweets? Look, Stephen, would you just relax about this tagging on tweets business? I told right? Just you because to you're not on Twitter, on those Stephen. Tweets, Leo. How many? Donnelly, shut your hole, or I'll be dug out of you, you baldy scrotch. Ah, oh, Jesus, not now, not now. Hello. Michal, this is the president. Hello, Michael. What the hell is going uh, on with the vaccines? I, I can explain. Shut up. Shut up. Okay. I'm 80 years of age on Sunday. I understand. And I want to share good news with the punters of Ireland. No, of so course. get the bloody shots in. Do of course, of course, Michael. De- Jesus. Told you lads were bollocks. Uh, what are you doing, Leo? I'm ringing Boris again. Ah, uh, Leo. Hello, Weatherspoon. Uh, can I can I speak to Boris, please? Boris. Great. Hello. Boris. Bishop's finger there, governor. Boris, Leo here. Any chance of any vaccines? What? As you can imagine, yeah. the pubs have been opened and I know. have been indisposed, ipso facto. Great. Getting paralytically sloshed off my cake. Well, do, uh, no, 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 no. do you know David Cameron? David Cameron? What, what's Daddy, he got? Daddy! Oh, it's li- Leo Brian. I'm on the phone. You just check it here. Hello? David, uh, any access to vaccines at all? Well, uh, do, do you... I... I do know a guy yeah. who knows a guy yeah. who knows a guy yeah. and for the right amount of biscuit Biscuit? What, what's bees, it? you know Bees, what are you talking bees about? Bees honey yeah. I'll get back Hello? to you, okay? Thanks, thanks a million Thanks, David, bye uh, What happened, Leo? I have no idea what the guy was talking oh, about Oh, God. God We're bollocks, fluff Bollocks oh, oh, my God Look, 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 look Lads, lads It's Brussels it's Oh, my Brussels. God Oh, no well, What do we say? What do we say? Who's going to take? I'll take it, Nihal Hello? Pascal Donahue, Minister for Finance. Shh. Pascal, it's Ursula. Oh, hi, Ursula. Shh. I have some news. Yes, Ursula. Shh. I got the drugs. You got them? Yes, you got them? I got them. Time to party. What did she say? Enjoy Thank Ireland. you, Ursula. Bye-bye. She got the drugs, man. Yeah! Yeah! Oh, oh, Make sure you tag me in the tweets. What's that? Get a music on. And happy birthday to Michael D. Higgins. If uh, you're listening to this after his birthday, which is after Sunday, or if you're listening before his birthday, uh, a premature happy birthday to Michael D. Higgins. Um, from time to time, we put out that sketch um, as an episode in its own right. So when you want a quick hit, just put in the Mario Rosenstock podcast, um, click follow and subscribe and check them out. So without further ado, it's George Hook. Are you going to tell me when we're starting or are we started? 
George, I'm not going to tell you when we've started or not started. I'm going to play a little game with you, and uh, it depends on how candid you are with me. All right. Um, anyway, we thanks a million for doing this. Were you going to get the jab tonight? You, you, we thought you were, would have had the second jab. Your second. Well, I mean, the HAC are playing a stormer. Um, we were scheduled for 11:45 for jab two. Doctor rings in panic and says jab hasn't arrived. Your 7.45. Doctor has now rung and said you're 5.15. And I said to doctor, if you say 2 o'clock, you can get stuffed because I have something far more important than a vaccine to do at 2 o'clock with Mario Rosenstock. How did you feel after the first job? Euphoric. Incredible. I felt, I felt immortal. Do you know what I mean? I'd spent 14 mm. months, like, hadn't gone outside the door, you know, didn't hug grandchildren, didn't do anything, didn't go to friends' funerals. And I had the jab. <laughs> I was looking for a phone box in which I could change into my uniform and off I fly. It was fabulous. And uh, do you expect then after your second vaccination that you then will be, in a sense, I, I'm, I'm loath to use this expression, vaccine bonus, but you will be given a vaccine bonus and you will be allowed then to do certain things. Is that what you expect no, as well? No, yeah. not at all. I no. mean, no, no. Because, because the rules, like as, as they are written uh, uh, by Nefet and, and Dr. Houlihan, um, are, make no allowance for people who are vaccinated. It says, you know, my, my local restaurant's closed. I can't go to my restaurant and say, how are you? Open up. I'm vaccinated. You know, I can't buy a pair mm-hmm. of trousers. You know, I can't go in and say I'm vaccinated. I can't play golf. I can't say I'm vaccinated. So it makes absolute, being vaccinated and not being vaccinated makes absolutely no difference to my life. Uh, how do you feel about the, you mentioned NFET there a second ago. How do you feel about the way they have carried on during all this and the way they've run things? Um, I may actually break my own rule here and use the F word uh, when, oh. I refer, when I refer to NFET and Dr. Houlihan, right? Uh, never in history has the country been run by civil servants. Never. Every night now, the civil servants go out and the civil servants tell us what to do. And, like, can you just imagine? I just want to take you back to Blitz Britain, 1942-43, right? Imagine you switched on the BBC light program and a voice came on and said, Hello, this is uh, Albert Fortescue here. I'm the honorary uh, secretary of the Department of Finance. And I think when you go to the tunnel tonight and the Germans drop the bombs, you should be okay. Instead of which, what did you get? You got this guy who said, I can promise you nothing but blood, sweat, toil and tears. We'll fight them on the beaches, in the hedgerows. And suddenly he, I didn't say it, somebody else did. He said, Churchill has marshaled the English language and sent it to war. If the civil servants had been run in Britain, 300,000 men would be still on the beaches and we'd all be speaking German. Now, why in the name of all that is good as holy is Tony Houlihan telling us what to do? That Nefes is telling us what to do. We now know that one in a thousand people 
gets infected in the open air. So why the golf course is closed? I go down to Herbert Park, just down the road, and there's hundreds of people, unmasked, men, women, children, and dogs. But the tennis courts are locked. Now, please explain. This, when the history of this is written, Neffet and Houlihan will not come out of it very well. There is no doubt in my mind that we have handled this appallingly. But, but whether, we, whether good, bad, or indifferently, I want the people I elected to tell me what to do. That's what I elected them for. I elected them to govern. And if they don't govern, I won't, I won't, I won't vote for them next time. That's democracy. But never yeah. in history have civil yeah, servants the first... run the place. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear you, George. Why, though? Why Why are ne- Nefet in charge, If in your view? Why are because they lapdogs? Why are they listening? Of what? They're scared. It's very simple. They're scared. You know, they're scared of that what? if they say, go, go out and play rugby, and next minute everybody gets sick playing rugby, next minute they'll be blamed. Like politicians have always wanted somebody to blame. Now it's brilliant. Like for whatever we might think of Houlihan and his cohort, like uh, they, uh, like let's look at the leader of the Labour Party. Like the Labour Party called for Houlihan's resignation in the previous issue, the issue of swine flu. People forget Houlihan's role in the whole cervical cancer issue, Right. Like, they forget these guys are not quite, uh, like, they are not sitting ex-cathedra in the Vatican speaking with certainty. You know, they're, 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 it's all guesswork. Yeah, got it, got it, got it, got it. Listen, um... The the George Hook I know is, the George Hook I know is quite an emotional person. I actually, you're quite willing to go there with your own emotions, or at least since you became an older man. I don't know what you were like as a younger man, but when you became an older man, you began to treat your public persona as being a little bit of a confessional at times. I mean, I remember your appearances on Brendan O'Connor's Cutting Edge. And I remember, I think it was an appearance or two on The Late Late Show, especially when you talked about your mother. And uh, it was very touching, very revealing. Um, and you demonstrated sort of great emotional um, uh, intelligence in your own s- sort of self-awareness. And um, But the George Hook I've always known as well in the last, you know, since I've seen you is, is chipper and uh, hail fellow well met, up, laughing. Um, but you've also been very, very clear and, you know, uh, confessional as well about your difficulties over the years with as what Winston Churchill, your, one of your heroes, would have called the black dog. And I wonder how the last, bearing that in mind and bearing all the talk that goes on in this country about mental health, I wonder how the last 14 months or so has gone for you in that regard. I mean, like what, you're 79, you are open about your difficulties with the depression aspects. And I wonder how the last 14 months has felt with, for you in that regard. All right. I, I remember saying uh, at the beginning of this that the, 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 the result of this 
the cure was going to be worse than the disease. I was absolutely certain of that. And I'm more certain now. We, we are going to see massive mental problems as a result of this. We are going to see uh, domestic abuse problems. And of course, then we are going to see death toll for people who didn't get their cancer tests or whatever. So the actual result of this is awful. Now you asked a specific question about George. Right. Um, interesting you say 79. On the 19th of May, I'll be 80. And sadly, no birthday party. Uh, so I really have to survive to 81 <laughs> to have a birthday party. But also, we were married 52 years on March the 3rd, the lovely Ingrid and myself. Now, over the last, let's take 12 months as a rough sort of guideline but in fact, it's more. I have never been home for 365 consecutive dinners. I have never put out the green, black and brown bins for 365 days or fill them for that matter. I have never emptied the dishwasher for 365 days. So therefore, what has happened? This is the best year of my marriage. So for 12 months, the lovely Ingrid have sat across from each other for breakfast and dinner. We don't really do lunch. And we've talked and we've laughed. And uh, other than like there is there is a tr uh, one of the great treaties of the modern world is the treaty of the remote control um, in, in which Ingrid demands the, the remote control certain times. However, um, due, the greatest thing that has happened, of course, is uh, I am now surviving on 14 hours of Netflix, uh, four gin and tonics, and half a bottle of Sauvignon Blanc, and my life is happy as a sandboy. It's fantastic. Big time, yeah. And for those who can't see you, um, although we will try and um, rustle an L promotional video out, of, video out of you, you do look really well. You look really uh, sprightly and healthy and sparky, and, and it's great to see that. Um, but it's been four years now since you departed the Marconi house. Um, and I guess... That's four years. It's quite a long time to have a reflection on that, if you like. What are your reflections on that whole thing? Well, of course, it was my fault. Like, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Now, what I was really guilty of as, as a broadcaster, which actually uh, is unforgivable, is the careless use of words. I believe to this day, and I'm constantly stopped in the street by people, and I'm not using this as an excuse, believe me, but merely to say, and they say, they agreed with what I said. What I said was, I said it appallingly and very badly. Net result was that there is now in the 21st century, there is a politically correct world that never existed before. Uh, we saw Kevin Myers go uh, and, and others will go. So what we ha now have is we have broadcasting, which is ruled by fear. 
I'm not really worried at all. Strangely enough, for about a year maybe, you know, I wanted to get back. I want to show them. And every time I heard somebody on the radio, I would say, I could do it better. And then every time I saw, I'd retired anyway from rugby. I mean, beforehand, I'd retired from the rugby. But every time the panel came on, I said, I could do it better, you know. And then uh, my daughters, I have two, I have daughter, son, daughter, that's the order. But the two girls take me out independently and they say, dad, cop yourself on, <laughs> you know, uh, forget about it. It's over and done. When you came back from the World Cup in 1995 in South Africa, you had a hole in the RC or trousers and you faced possibly living in a caravan somewhere. Now you have a pension, you happily, you know, are okay. Stop worrying. And I stopped worrying about it. And it doesn't cross my mind anymore. Having said that, as a person who, who has been a radio nut since he was listening to the BBC at about six years of age in Cork, I don't listen to radio as much. When I watch the rugby, I don't watch the panel. I turn, I go and make a cup of tea at that point. I only watch the rugby on the basis that I might as well take the temptation away of me saying, I could do a pallor, you know. So I don't think about it at all. Although I would love to interview yeah. Hulan. I mean, I, I'd want Hulan in a studio, uh, preferably with the, the Minister for Health as well. Uh, so I, I miss that, I suppose. But that apart, no. So I heard everything you had to say about that. But having said that, looking back now at that period, and you were very clear there now in the last few minutes, that's fair enough, I got your answer. But looking back on that period, if the person that had been, if the person that that happened to had been called Frank Hook, not George Hook, do you think Frank Hook would have deserved to lose his gig because of that situation? Um, no, no. No more than Kevin Myers didn't deserve to lose his gig. Because Winston Churchill, my great hero, Churchill said, democracy isn't a great system, but it's the best one we have. And integral with democracy is free speech. And what we now have is we don't have free speech. Like I saw recently, there was a cartoon in The Independent of Mary Lou MacDonald. And, and the, the feminist lobby said, you can't have a cartoon of a woman. So, like, where are we going now? What's next? Everybody will be terrified. And they are. You only have to listen or watch. They were terrified of saying anything. In fact, you're in quite a lucky position because Mario Rosenstock can say something, but it's not actually Mario Rosenstock. It's Enda Kenny or whoever it is is saying it. So they actually, they actually, you know, it will be left, I think, with impressionists to actually tell us the truth. <laughs> Okay. Where is, okay, so free speech, I got that. Um, yeah. Is there any limit to free speech, George? Is there any limit to free speech? So I suppose, where do we draw the line? Or is there a line to be drawn? I mean, I presume in America, for example, if you look at the, if you look at the Second Amendment, or not the Second Amendment, but if you look at the uh, right to free speech, you can almost say anything you want in America. But I suppose our point. laws of death, yeah. 
Yeah, that's why their laws of defamation and libel are quite different from ours. I mean, there was there was a guy uh, actually uh, sued me for an article, and he was an American, and he sued in Ireland because his lawyer said to me, "You make a ton of money if you sue Hook in Ireland." It was about an article in the Independent or something. I can't remember. But the judge threw it out. Of course, the judge said, "You must be joking. Go back to America and sue him." But the point is, even in America, they were saying, "Listen, it's." Ireland is the land of milk and honey for libel actions. So, but your question, yes, I think you you could say yes. anything. I and and the point is, you said, but I don't have to agree with you. But now we have we. I mean, most of them are on Twitter. We now have tens of thousands of people who are easily offended. So we are now in the easily offended society. I'm offended that he said that. Are you? Tough luck, you know? Did people stop contacting you after this event? Did corporate stop contacting you? Did work dry up? Did RTE stop contacting you? Did companies stop contacting you for after-dinner speeches? Did people stop offering you stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, they, they, like I, that's the one thing I often think about. Like if it had happened 10 years before uh, when, I, when I, was, I didn't have any money, then it would have been incredible. But like no, no corporate wanted to talk to me. You know, no, uh, uh, no, I, no after dinner speeches other than say rugby clubs and that. Like it's quite interesting. Like people sort to cry the old boy network of the rugby club, but the rugby club still asked me to speak. Now they didn't pay me, of course. I never got paid for a for a rugby club. That was just the way I never did that. I never asked for money, but um, like a, a corporate event. Or RTE, like, um, RTE never asked me to do something. Uh, nobody asked me to do something, you know? Uh, now it didn't did matter. Feel, how did you feel about that? I mean, I, I would, I would feel, I would feel shunned. I would feel, did you feel shunned? I would feel cast out. I would feel ostracized. Yeah. I would feel like a black sheep. Well, I was, yeah. I was all those things. And that year, that first year, um, was was tough for that reason. I mean, just to give you an idea, I can't remember the exact sequence, but but after like the manure has hit the fan, uh, the Sunday papers are going to have a go at it. And uh, a PR guy had asked to help me. Said to me, "Now, George, what you do is get out of town for the weekend uh, because you know." Gonna be looking for you, and so I went to the lovely Ingrid and I said, "Listen, we're getting out of town for the weekend," and she said, "I am not going to be driven out of my house by anybody. Let's go to Super Value and store up for the siege, right?" So we go down to Super Value and we store up for the siege, right? And then. The following day, sorry, was Saturday then, obviously for the Sundays, there was a mob outside my door of, of journalists and cameramen. It was a mob. And they, they were putting notes through my letterbox saying, you know, we're going to write tomorrow that, you know, you did the following comment. 
Uh, so then there was no reaction to that. And they were ringing my mobile. So I obviously wasn't answering the mobile. Interestingly, if they'd rung the landline, I probably wouldn't have answered. I probably would have answered that because I wouldn't know who was calling me because I had no number recognition. But they never thought of ringing the landline. And then I'm watching television. And they're now knocking on the window. They're looking in the window and they can see me watching television. And they're banging on the window. And like it was... It was siege stuff, and I didn't respond to anything, but everything that was written was untrue. Not a word of it was true. Like, incredible. Uh, so uh, did I feel shunned? Yeah. Now, News Talk were very good to me. Like, News Talk gave me a Saturday morning show after that for a year so for the next year, I actually worked on Saturdays in Newstalk. Right. And again, I'm grateful to them for that. And it kind of it kind of eased me out of it. But the key thing for me was that the timing of it happened, and this makes me sound like kind of quite pretentious, really. But if you've spent your entire life with no money, and running from banks and doing solicitors and everything. And suddenly you have come to a point in your life where you have actually have a pension. Do you know what I mean? Uh, then I said, well, to hell with it, you know? Um, but if it had happened 10 years earlier, yeah. it would have been an unmitigated disaster for me. You know, you talk about four yeah. years So am I right ago, in saying... I was 17 yeah, it was yeah. 75, don't forget. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wondering, George, I mean, we've talked about this quite extensively now already, but I still find that there's a little bit more to mine in it. Um, I wonder, and maybe you could help me answer this question. I wonder, you say we're living in a, an atmosphere of fear and self-censorship and that broadcasting has changed. But I wonder, would, did what happened to you happen at a very, very sensitive time internationally anyway um and was that a factor in what happened to you in other words if what ha if that happened to you now would it necessarily have been the same um i'm just kind of i'm trying to think about that i mean do you understand do you get where i'm coming from oh yeah no i, I get exactly where you're coming from mm. um first of all it was George Hook, like, you know, whether you like, I like it or not, George Hook is, was a big guy in a sense. I'm not talking about audience numbers or anything like that, but it was out there. Like whether it was radio or television or whatever, I put myself out there. Now, um, I never did the privacy thing like a lot of I'm, some of the most famous names in RT of the past sort of thought privacy was very important I always said how the hell can you be private uh, if you're in the public business so uh, I loved when people used to come up to me in the streets or whatever I loved all that um, but I was out there and I had strong opinions so therefore I was a good target to take down um, and I think that was the first thing that was a that's a good scalp to get. I mean, that was the first thing. I think the second thing is that if the comments I'd made had been about men rather than about women, I don't think there would have been the same Ferrari at all um, because we are moving inexorably uh, 
in in that female-led world. Like I said to somebody recently that the future of broadcasting is female and all the great impressionists of the future will be females, Mario. Uh, so it, it, the world is moving towards, and you only have to look at your television. You look at rugby, females, or, or my beloved cricket uh, on, on, on uh, radio and television, women. So they increasingly, where do we stop with equality? Like, is equality 50-50 or do we go to 80-20? I don't know. But you can see where it's mm. moving. I'm not I, saying anything dramatic. You only you can yeah. see it. So that was the No, no, no. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, but I'm also – no, I'm all, I know what you're saying, but I'm also cognizant that we are going – you know, that we are will be perceived out there as two white, middle-class, middle-aged – you're slightly more middle-aged than mine. I mean – you know, talking about women in this way. So it is a bit sort of difficult for us to tiptoe well, around no, this situation. But, but and I mean, in a sense, we're two landmines who are just about to go off in the Glen of Amal. We're, at, you know, so. Oh, I, I know. I, what, no, no, no. I know. What, no, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Is it over? Is it when is it going to stop? Is it 50 50 or is it 80 20? But one of the things that could be made for this argument, George, George is that. There is a certain recalibration coming on, coming coming into question here, and that it's perhaps rebalancing itself, and that it might be overcompensating at the moment to to affect that rebalance. Do you understand what I mean? In well, other words, I, I, yeah, I don't have any problem with that. None. Mm. Like when uh, Fintan O'Toole wrote his famous article in the Irish Times uh, of, of about News Talk being an anti-feminist organisation, nothing to do with me. And this is before my time, my my cancellation. Like if you looked at the employment records of News Talk, the chief executive was female. Like all across News Talk was was female. Um, where News Talk failed. Absolutely, at that point, was seven to seven. Uh, there wasn't a female presenter. Now, all I would ask, and I think, I think it's unfortunate that anybody might think as the way you're thinking, which is we're two white old men talking about females. In other words, we're against them. Would like when you think what I'm married to. Like, I am married to a hugely independent woman, a professor of science, a woman who has worked her entire life, a man who has two daughters who are hugely successful in their own right. Why will I be opposed to women? What? Equality is two ways. You cannot do equality by numbers. You can't turn around. And this is what happened in South Africa. And I was there in 95 when I saw it. And this was now, we now have Mandela in power. So now what we have is positive discrimination. So when to check into your, your hotel, there were two white receptionists and two black receptionists. When you got in the plane, there were three black stewardesses and three white stewardesses. So it was a numbers game. I understand why it might have been. But we do, but, but we must do it based on standards. So it's not about having three of one or three of the other. It's about having the three best. 
And there's, it's, politics is a classic example of this. They keep talking about quotas and all the rest of it in, in Dáil Éireann. We shouldn't have quotas. Quotas are wrong. Positive discrimination are wrong. If the openings are there and, and the, the, the female is better than the male, I believe implicitly that the female will get the job. I believe that absolutely implicitly. And that's what it's about. It's just about I don't believe that. I, I don't I don't believe that at all, George. I don't believe sorry, I don't believe that at all actually. And I and I and I'm not you know, I just don't believe that at all. I don't believe that women will get the job um if they it's been it's been absolutely documented and proven that women have to be almost fifteen to twenty times better than the male before they get the job. No, I do, but I do accept what you're saying. I, I'm not saying that you and I are dinosaurs. I'm saying by you and I even talking about women, we're ma- we're almost mansplaining about women without women being here. So I'm saying the perception is that we could be perceived as dinosaurs. I'm not saying that you're a dinosaur, and I'm and I'm sure you have the absolute utmost respect for women, as I do. Um, but I'm just. I just feel I, that I, when it, I just feel I just feel that when let me finish hanging on I just feel that when it comes to the level playing field, there still is an awful long way for women to go because you say if a man goes up against a woman in a modern day world, the best person will get a job. They get the job. I don't see it as that. I still see that the man on a numbers game is favored because the people that are choosing uh, the correct person for that, the, the person for that job, it's still a male dominated um, kind of hierarchy stroke patriarchy, if you want to. But listen, we could go down this um, area. For, no, but for, I, for, I want to be very bit. clear here. Go like, on then, go on. We, we, no, I want to be very clear. We have nothing to apologize for here, you and I. Like, we are talking about uh, a situation where it's, it's developing in the same way as the, the, the American Civil War ended, I think, in 1868. I might be a year or two out. Now, you would have thought in 1869, everything should be hunky-dory for the black population of America. We are now 150 years on from the end of the American Civil War, and the black population does not have the equality it deserves. They, they have more, more blacks are in prison. More blacks are obese. More blacks are single families. And you go on and you go on and you go on. So therefore, this is a long process. You can't just turn the switch and say, yesterday women didn't get a fair deal. Tomorrow they are going to get a fair deal. They, it, it won't happen in my lifetime, but it is happening. You're watching it on your television screen. Mm. You're listening to it on the radio. And I, I don't know anything about uh, the commercial life or the boardrooms or any of this. But look at all the chief. The last time I looked at PayPal, their chief executive, I think, was a female. The chief executive of, of is it Bank of Ireland or Allied Irish Banks, is female. And you keep going on and on and on. Things that we, we would have considered hugely unlikely 10, 20 years ago don't happen anymore. So if it takes the blacks more than 150 years to get some kind of ecology, then women may have to wait a little bit longer. Agreed, George. And and don't think for a second that I was trying to, in a sense, uh, pigeonhole you into some sort of cliched corner where I see you as a dinosaur. Not for a second. I thought you were. I, I, I wasn't at all. Not at all. That would have been a useless uh, way to go. Um, I wanted to go on to, do you know who I heard on the radio the other day? Uh, Brent Pope, 
And yeah. um, I heard I heard Brent on the radio the other day with Marty Morrissey, and he basically kind of I didn't realize what was happening in his life, but he kind of broke down on the radio, and I thought Marty treated it very nice, very um, sensitively. Um, but Brent really has some serious physical problems going on. I wanted to know if you were aware of that. I wanted to know if you're still friends with him because you were, you know, two, a great duo of Irish punditry and rugby dance through the years. Well, he has two very good friends, Tom McGurk and George Hook. And Tom McGurk and George Hook have rung him up, not every week or whatever, but have rung him up over the past year because we are aware. Now, he is a very good example of 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 where the pandemic damages people because Popey lives alone. He's a bachelor. He lives in a house in Stilorga. I suspect over the last 14 months, if, if, if there have been very few, I don't think there's been anybody inside the Hook household for the last 14 months. There probably hasn't been anybody inside the Pope household. Difference between McGurk and Hook is there is a Mrs. McGurk and there is a Mrs. Hook. He doesn't have that. So he owns, so he has to cope with that, and um, he also has to cope with with which is the most difficult thing of all. If some fella comes up to you and says you have cancer, then you can cope with it or try to cope with it. But if somebody comes up to you and says, "Well, there's something wrong with you, but we don't really know what it is," uh, which seems to be the position for him, and I spoke to him last week, it seems to be the position for him. He's in out of hospital. That must be incredibly difficult to cope with, you know. But like, yeah. uh, mm. I I uh, I found that uh, very distressing. I knew most of it, but I found it very distressing um, that he, he he sort of felt a need to go public on it. And I think that was a need, you know. Um, I can't get inside his head, but it must be incredibly difficult. I can't even comprehend how difficult it must be. We were an interesting tree, yeah, you yeah. know. I mean, you know, best part of 20 years together. Um, the likes of which will never be seen again because um, rugby television, you can't be a pundit on rugby television unless you're a former international. So, like, there's no way they're going to get a guy like me. And even though Popey was a very good rugby player, he wasn't international. So, you know, and, and McGurk. So here were the three of us who had no real rugby cred in a sense delivering television wouldn't happen now also now particularly with uh pay related channels you know it's unlike bbc or rge who who have a license but the pay related channels they're only interested in subscription so they have a different approach to broadcasting a, a rugby match than uh, a station that is funded by by a license you know they're selling I mean, the, the 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 criticism would have been out there that like um the a lot of the punditry nowadays is a little anodyne and sanitized and partly because the as you said the players are the uh, the former players are the pundits now so they find it difficult to maybe come completely outside the box and say how they feel because for fear of criticizing some of uh, somebody that they might actually know whereas 
you guys, uh, particularly you often in many cases, who is often equated with Eamon Dunphy and being able to, you know, go off on one or fly off the handle or just go for it and roar about something. Um, people found that um, people found that very enlivening and great TV. Do you find that it's a, yourself? It's a little bit uh, dull. Well, I, I, I actually saw there was a match and I can't forgive me. I can't remember what the match was, but the fullback had just replaced Rob Carney, probably Jacob Stockdale um, at that time. And in the, in, in the panel is Rob Carney. So, you know, how can you say to Rob Carney? I mean, and I this is not remotely a criticism of Rob Carney. How can you say to Rob Carney, what do you think of a fullback, Rob? <laughs> you know? I mean, it just can't be Agreed, done. Yeah. And every single time, every single player who is a contemporary uh, can't do it. You know, it's a bit like me saying, yeah. what do you think Agreed. of Pat Kenny? George, uh, uh, you're 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 in the autumn of your life. It's fair to say, but long may you live. But in the autumn of your life, have you ever thought about um, how you might like to be remembered? How would George Hook like to be remembered? I I just to go back to Churchill for a moment. Churchill had an appalling relationship with his father. His father literally never spoke to him. Um, Randolph and, Churchill, wasn't it? Yeah, who died at 47. But I, on the contrary, had an extraordinary relationship with my father, an unbelievable relationship with my father. And uh, I, I would, he said to me, I always remember we were getting on the bus to go up to Mardike to watch Cork Athletic in the League of Ireland match. And uh, he said something to me about, about soccer and I said dad um, I, I, I'm really sorry but I I, uh, I don't agree with you and he said don't ever be afraid to hold an opinion and whatever your opinion is hold it and I'd like to think that people would say about your man well we mightn't have agreed with his opinions but he held them and he held them honestly I mean, the one difference I always, I used to get really upset when I was compared with Dunphy because I always thought Dunphy attempted to be controversial. Uh, I never attempted to be controversial. I just was. Like, if you knew me at 14 in Intercert, like, I was controversial, you know. Uh, so I was just, that's just the way I am. I never saw it as being controversial. I mean, I just saw, this is my opinion, so let's go with it. I didn't think like, I wonder should I say this, you know, and I paid the price eventually. But I mean, yeah, I think hold your opinions, you know, and and uh, I, I think the worst thing, if you ask me then what the worst thing is like, um, as we speak, we've just heard that the Duke of Edinburgh has died to age 99. Now, it would be fantastic, obviously, if I lived to 90. But that's only 10 years away. So that means my, you know, my youngest grandchild of, of nine, the youngest one, won't be in secondary school when I'm gone. Um, most of them, only a couple of them will be actually in employment or university or whatever. And that's the thing I will really miss. 
that I I won't see that, you know. And and the other thing is, a great friend of mine said to me recently about this pandemic. You know, he said what people forget, George, is that we've lost a year, but we've lost a year out of maybe five. That's twenty percent. Uh, our sons have lost a year out of maybe forty. That's only two and a half percent. And our grandchildren have lost one year out of eighty. That's barely over one percent. But but this year that we've lost, it's hugely costly. It's unbelievably costly. A year out of five. Incredible. Yeah, that's one way of looking at it. But about a half an hour ago in this conversation, you said you've had the most fulfilling year possible, bedding down and enjoying every single meal with Ingrid and getting to know your wife at an even deeper level and that it's been an extreme pleasure in that regard. And I could speak for myself as well and say that having had 365 mealtimes with my, my wife and children every day has been a wonderful thing to do. Yeah, I probably imagined Ingrid listening to the podcast, so I thought I'd better get all the positives <laughs> in early. Fair enough, fair enough. Listen, George, I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. Um, thank you so much. Um, you've been extremely giving, as I expected you would be, and uh, very generous in your comments. And uh, and thank you for, for thank you for sharing, really. I'm surprised you remembered me. Not at all. You're always on the tip of our tongues and the edge of our minds. <laughs> Thank you. And thank you very much to George Hook for a great conversation. It was brilliant to chat to him. Um, and he actually lives rather near me. And so I bumped into him from time to time. Um, but uh, thanks a million uh, to George for doing that and thanks a million to you for listening as always and getting in touch with me Um, you can get in touch with me on my personal email that's mariorosenstock at gmail.com you can also get in touch on Twitter at giftgrubmario or on Facebook Mario Rosenstock but um, many of you have contacted me on mariorosenstock at gmail.com just uh, to name a few Sarah Carney thanks Sarah Luke Walsh yes Luke I'll try and get back to you to do that thing Maria Byrne again um, Alan Keane, uh, Jack McDonald, and Declan McGlynn. Thank you very, very much uh, for, for getting in contact. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. Mind yourselves, mind each other. Bye bye.